chapter four of fifty years ago by walter besant this librivox recording is in the public domain in the street let us friend eighty seven take a walk down the strand on this fine april afternoon of thirty seven first however you must alter your dress a little put on the swallow-tail coat with the high velvet collar it is more becoming than the sporting coat in green bulging out over the hips change your light tie and mash your collar for this beautiful satin stock and this double breastpin put on a velvet waistcoat and an under waistcoat of cloth thin cossack trousers with straps will complete your costume turn your shirt-cuffs back outside the coat-sleeve carry your gloves in your hand and take your cane you are now dear eighty-seven transformed into the dandy of fifty years ago and will not excite any attention as we walk along the street we will start from charing cross and will walk towards the city you cannot remember eighty-seven the king's mews that stood here on the site of trafalgar square when it is completed with the national gallery on the north side the monument and statue of nelson the fountains and statues that they talk about there will be a very fine square and we have certainly got rid of a group of mean and squalid streets to make room for the square it is lucky that they have left northumberland house the last of the great palaces that once lined the strand the strand looks very much as it will in your time though the shop fronts are not by any means so fine there is no charing cross station or northumberland avenue most of the shops have bow windows and there is no plate glass but instead small panes such as you will only see here and there in your time the people however have a surprisingly different appearance the ladies because the east wind is cold still keep to their fur tippets their thick shawls and have their necks wrapped round with boas the ends of which hang down to their skirts a fashion revived by yourself their bonnets are remarkable structures like an ornamental coal scuttle of the thirty-seven not the eighty-seven period and some of them are of surprising dimensions and decorated with an amazing profusion of ribbons and artificial flowers their sleeves are shaped like a leg of mutton their shawls are like a dining-room carpet of the time not like your dining-room carpet eighty-seven but a carpet of flaunting colour crimson and scarlet which would give you a headache but the curls of the younger ladies are not without their charms and their eyes are as bright as those of their grandchildren are they not let us stand still a while and watch the throng where the tide of life as johnson said is the fullest here comes with a roll intended for a military swagger the cheap dandy i know not what he is by trade he is too old for a medical student not shabby enough for an attorney's clerk and not respectable enough for a city clerk is it possible that he is a young gentleman a very small fortune which he is running through he wears a tall hat broader at the top than at the bottom he carries white thread gloves sports a cane has his trousers tightly strapped wears a tremendously high stock with a sham diamond pin a coat with a velvet collar and a double-breasted waistcoat his right hand is stuck it is an aggressive attitude in his coat-tail pocket the little old gentleman who follows him 
in black shorts and white silk stockings will be gone before your time so will yonder still more ancient gentleman in powdered hair and pigtail who walks slowly along pigtails in your time will be clean forgotten as well as black silk shorts do you see that thin spare gentleman in the cloak riding slowly along the street followed by a mounted servant the people all take off their hats respectfully to him and country folk gaze upon him curiously that is the duke there is only one duke to the ordinary briton it is the duke with the hook nose the iron duke the duke of wellington the new fashion cabriolet with a seat at the side for the driver and a high hood for the fare is light and swift but it is not beautiful nor is it popular the wheels are too high and the machine is too narrow it is always upsetting and bringing its passengers to grief here is one of the new police with blue swallow-tail coat tightly buttoned and white trousers they are reported to be mightily unpopular with the light-fingered gentry with whose pursuits they are always interfering in a manner unknown to the ancient charlie here comes a gentleman darkly and mysteriously clad in a fur-lined cloak fastened at his neck by a brass buckle and falling to his feet such a cloak as in your time will only be used to enwrap the villains in a burlesque but here no one takes any notice of it there goes a man who may have been an officer an actor a literary man a gambler anything whatever he was he is now broken down his face is pale his gait is shuffling his elbows are gone his boots are giving at the toes and see the stout red-faced man with the striped waistcoat and the bundle of seals hanging at his fob has tapped him on the shoulder that is a sheriff's officer and he will now be conducted after certain formalities to the king's bench or the fleet and in this happy retreat he will probably pass the remainder of his days here comes a middle-aged gentleman who looks almost like a coachman in his coat with many capes and his purple cheeks that is the famous coaching baronet than whom no better whip has ever been seen upon the road here comes a pair of young bloods who scorn cloaks and great coats how bravely do they tread in their tight trousers bright-coloured waistcoats and high satin stocks with what a jaunty air do they tilt their low-crowned hats over their long and waving locks you can smell the bear's grease across the road with what a flourish do they bear their canes here comes swaggering along the pavement a military gentleman in a coat much befrogged he has the appearance of one who knows chalk farm which is situated among meadows where the morning air has been known to prove suddenly fatal to many gallant gentlemen how he swings his shoulders and squares his elbows and how the peaceful passengers make room for him to pass he is no doubt an old peninsular there are still many like unto him he is the ruffling captain known to queen elizabeth's time in the last century he took the wall and shoved everybody into the gutter presently he will turn into the cigar divan he learned to smoke cigars in spain in the rooms of what was once the repository of art we breathe more freely when he is gone here comes a great hulking sailor his face beams with honesty he rolls in his gait he hitches up his wide trousers he wears his shiny hat at the back of his head his hair hangs in ringlets he chews a quid under his arm is a parcel tied in red bandana he looks as if he were in some perplexity sighting one who appears to be a gentleman recently from the country he bears down upon him 
noble captain he whispers hoarsely if you like here's a chance that doesn't come every day for why i've got to go to sea again and though they're smuggled i smuggled them myself your honour and worth their weight in gold you shall have the box for thirty shillin say the word my captain and come round the corner with me honest tar shall we meet him to-morrow with another parcel tied in the same bandana his face screwed up with the same perplexity and anxiety to get rid of his valuable burden you yourself eighty-seven will have your confidence trick your ring-dropper your thimble and pea your fat partridge-seller even though the bold smuggler be no more in the matter of street music we of thirty-seven are perhaps in advance of you of eighty-seven we have not it is true the pianoforte organ but we have already the other two varieties the rumbling droner and the light tinkler we have not yet the street nigger or the banjo or the band of itinerant blacks or christie's minstrels the negro minstrel does not exist in any form but the ingenious mr rice is at this very moment studying the plantation songs of south carolina and we can already witness his humorous personation of jump jim crow in his pathetic ballad of lucy neal he made his first appearance at the adelphi as jim crow in eighteen thirty six we have like you the christian family in reduced circumstances creeping slowly hand in hand along the streets singing a hymn the while for the consolation it affords they have not yet invented moody and sankey and therefore they cannot sing hold the fort or dare to be a daniel but there are hymns in every collection which suit the griddler we have also the ballad singer who warbles at the door of the gin palace his favourite song just now is all round my hat we have the lady or gentleman who takes her or his place upon the curb with a guitar adorned with red ribbon and sings a sentimental song such as speed on my mules for leela waits for me or gaily the troubadour there is the street-seller of ballads at a penny each a taste of which he gives the delighted listener there are the horns of stage-coach and of omnibus blown with zeal there is the bell of the crier exercised as religiously as that of the railway porter the pandean pipes and the drum walk not only with punch but also with the dancing bear the performing dogs the street acrobats and the fantocini the noble highlander not only stands outside the tobacconists taking a pinch of snuff but he also parades the street blowing a most patriotic tune upon his bagpipe the butcher serenades his young mistress with the cleaver and the bones the italian boy delights all the ears of those who hear with his hurdy-gurdy here comes the paddington omnibus the first omnibus of all started seven years ago by mr shillabeer the father of all those which have driven the short stages off the road and now ply in every street you will not fail to observe that the knife-board has not yet been invented there are twelve passengers inside and none out the conductor is already remarkable for his truthfulness his honesty and his readiness to take up any lady and to deposit her within ten yards of wherever she wishes to be the fare is sixpence and you must wait for ten years before you get a tuppenny bus now let us resume our walk the strand is very little altered you think already exeter change is gone exeter hall is already built the shops are less splendid and plate glass is as yet unknown in holywell street i can show you one or two of the old signs still on the house walls butcher row behind st clement danes is pulled down and the street widened on the north side there is standing a nest of rookeries and mean streets where you will have your law courts here is temple bar which you will miss 
close to temple bar is the little fish shop which once belonged to mr crockford the proprietor of the famous club the street messengers standing about in their white aprons will be gone in your time for that matter so will the aprons at present every other man in the street wears an apron it is a badge of his rank and station the apron marks the mechanic or the serving man some wear white aprons and some wear leather aprons i am afraid you will miss the apron fleet street is much more picturesque than the strand is it not even in your day eighty seven when so many old houses will have perished fleet street will still be the most picturesque street in all london the true time to visit it is at four o'clock on a summer morning when the sun has just risen on the sleeping city look at the gables of it the projecting stories of it the old timber work of it the glory and the beauty of it as you see fleet street so dr johnson saw it there is a good deal more crowd and animation in fleet street than in the strand that is because we are nearer the city of course the traffic is greater the noise is much greater as for this ring before us let us avoid it a coachman fighting a ticket porter is a daily spectacle in this thoroughfare those who crowd round often get bloody noses for their pains and still more often come away without their purses look the pickpockets are at their work almost openly they have caught one well my friend our long silk purses yours will be square leather things are very easily stolen i do not think it will repay you for the loss of yours to see a poor devil of a pickpocket pumped upon you are looking again at the plain windows with the small square panes the shops make no displays yet you see first it would not be safe to put valuable articles in windows protected by nothing but a little thin pane of glass which reminds me that in the matter of street safety you will be a good deal ahead of us next an honest english tradesman loves to keep his best out of sight the streets are horribly noisy that is quite true you have heard of the roar of the mighty city your london eighty seven will not know how to roar but you can now understand what its roaring used to be an intolerable stir and uproar is it not but then your ears are not like ours used to it first the road is not macadamized or asphalted or paved with wood next the traffic of wagons carts and wheelbarrows and hand-carts is vastly greater than you had ever previously imagined then there is a great deal more of porter work done in the street and the men are perpetually jostling quarrelling and fighting the coaches those of the short stages with two horses and the long stages with four are always blowing their horns and cracking their whips look at yonder great wagon it has come all the way from scotland it is piled thirty feet high with packages of all kinds baskets hang behind filled with all kinds of things in front there sit a couple of scotch lasses who have braved a three weeks journey from edinburgh in order to save the expense of the coach brave girls but such a wagon with such a load does not go along the street in silence it is not in silence either that the women who carry baskets full of fish on their heads go along the street nor is the man silent who goes with a packed donkey loaded on either side with small coal and the wooden sledge on which is the cask of beer dragged along by a single horse makes by itself as much noise as all your carriages together eighty seven and there is nothing you observe for the protection and convenience of passengers who wish to cross the road nothing at all no policeman stands in the middle of the road to regulate the traffic the drivers pay no heed to the foot passengers at the corner of chancery lane where the press is the thickest the boys and the clerks slip in and out among the horses and the wheels without hurt but how will those ladies be able to get across they never would but for the crossing sweeper the most remunerative part of the work in fact is to convoy the ladies across the road if he magnifies the danger of this service and expects silver for saving the lives of his trembling clients who shall blame him 
there is still left some of the old posts which divided the footway from the roadway though the hole is now paved in what eighty seven you have stepped into a dandy trap and splashed your feet well perhaps in your day they will have learned to pave more evenly but just at present our paving is a little rough and the stones sometimes small so that here and there after rain these things will happen here we are at blackfriars this is the gate of bridewell where they used to flog women and still flog the prentices yonder is the fleet prison of which we have just read in account in the pickwick papers they have cleared away the old fleet market which used to stand in the middle of the street and they have planted it behind the houses opposite the prison come and look at it let us tread softly over the stones of farringdon market for somewhere beneath our feet lie the bones of poor young chatterton no monument has been erected here to his memory nor is the spot known where he lies but it is somewhere in this place which is a tragic and mournful spot being crammed beneath its pavement with the bones of the poor the outcasts the broken down the wrecks and failures of life and littered above the pavement with the wreckage and refuse of the market this place was formerly the burial ground of the shoe lane workhouse we can walk down to the bridge and look at the river no embankment yet eighty seven no penny streamers either yet the watermen grumble at the omnibuses which have cut into their trade here comes the lamplighter with his short letter and his lantern gas of course has been introduced for ever so long they have blindly followed the old plan of lighting and have stuck up a gas lamp wherever there used to be an oil lantern the theatres and places of amusement are brilliant with gas and it is gas which makes the splendour of the gin palace the shops took to it slowly but they are now beginning to understand how to brighten their appearance after dark go into any little thoroughfare however and you will see the shops lit with two or three candles still in the small houses and the country towns the candles linger still and such candles for the most part they are tallow they need constant snuffing they drop their detestable grease everywhere on the tablecloth on your clothes on the butter and on the bread you eighty seven will be saying hard things of gas but you do not know from what darkness and misery of darkness it saved your ancestors as for the churches they are not yet generally provided with gas there is some strange prejudice against it in the minds of the clergy yet it is not papistical or even free-thinking in most of them where they have evening service the pews are provided with two candles apiece stuck in tin candlesticks with four candles for the pulpit and four for the reading-desk the effect is not unpleasing but the candles continually require snuffing and the operation is constantly attended with accidents so that the church is always filled with the fragrance of smouldering tallow wicks the repugnance of gas is so great indeed in some quarters that one clergyman the rector of holy trinity marylebone is going to commit all his vestrymen to the ecclesiastical courts because they have attempted to light the church with gas here is a city funeral in one of the burial grounds close to the crowded street the clergyman reads the service and the mourners in their long black cloaks stand round the open grave and the coffin is lowered into it and outside there is no cessation at all to the bustle and the noise the wagoner cracks his whip the drover swears at his cattle the busy men run to and fro as if the last rites were not being performed for one who has heard the call of the messenger and perforce obeyed it and look the mould in which the grave is dug is nothing but bits of bones and splinters of coffins the churchyard is no longer a field of clay it is a field of dead citizens you friend eighty seven will manage these things better here goes one of the long stages saw you ever a finer coach more splendidly appointed with better cattle ten miles an hour that coachman reckons upon as soon as he is clear of london they say that in a year or two when all the railways 
are opened the stage-coaches will be ruined the horses all sold and the english breed of horses ruined we shall travel twenty miles an hour without stopping to change horses the accidents will be frightful but those who meet with none will get from london to edinburgh in less than twenty-four hours next year they promise to open the london and birmingham railway here comes a soldier you find his dress absurd to be sure his tight black stock makes his red cheeks seem swollen his queer tall hat with a neat red ball at the top might be more artistic the red shoulder roll not the least like an epaulette would hardly ward off a sword cut the coat with his swallow tail is no protection to the body or the legs the whitened belt must cost an infinite amount of trouble to keep it fit for inspection and a working man's breeches and stockings would be more serviceable than those long trousers there are always brave fellows however ready to enlist the soldier's life is attractive though the discipline is hard and the floggings are truly awful my friend it is half-past five and you are tired let us get back to temple bar and dine at the mitre where we can take our cut off the joint for eighteen pence about this time most men are thinking of dinner by an evening paper of the boy so this is cosy a newly sanded floor a bright fire and a goodly company james a clean tablecloth a couple of candles and the snuffers and the last joint up what have you got in the paper madagascar embassy massacre in new zealand where the devil is new zealand suicide of champion who made the infernal machine great distress in the highlands murder of a process server in ireland crossing of the channel in a balloon i hope that some day an army may not cross it letter from syria concerning the recent great earthquake conduct of the british legion in spain seven men imprisoned for unlawfully ringing the bells death of the oldest woman in the world aged one hundred and sixty-two years said to have been the nurse of george washington a good deal of news all for one evening paper hush we are in luck here is douglas gerald now we shall hear something good here is lee hunt and here is forster and here ah this is unexpected here comes none other than bas himself of course you know his name it is charles dickens saw one ever a brighter eye or a more self-reliant bearing such self-reliance belongs to those who are about to succeed they say his fortune has already made though but yesterday he was a reporter in the house taking down the speeches in shorthand who is that tall young man with the ugly nose only a journalist they say he wrote that funny paper called the fatal boots in tilt's annual his name is thackeray i believe but i know nothing more about him here comes dinner with a tankard of foaming stout is there any other drink quite so good as stout after you have taken your dinner friend eighty seven i shall prescribe for you what you will never get poor wretch a bottle of the best port in the cellars of the mitre my friend there is one thing in which we of the thirties do greatly excel you of the eighties we can eat like ploughboys and we can drink like draymen as for your nonsense about apollinaris water we do not know what it means and as for your not being able to take a simple glass of port we do not in the least understand it not take a pint of port man alive we can take two bottles and never turn a hair End of chapter four